0: Welcome to another episode of Palm Harbor Local. I'm your host, Florida native and real estate ninja, Donnie Hathaway. You know, I started this podcast because I'm extremely passionate about connecting you with the people and the local businesses that make Palm Harbor so special. Palm Harbor, Florida is a great place to live, work, and play. It has everything you could dream of from the food, the outdoors, the lifestyle to the people in the community. I wanted to create a podcast that connected the community and inspired everyone to live better. To join this community and stay up to date on all things Palm Harbor, visit my website. It's palmharborlocal.com and sign up there to join the locals. And remember, together, we keep Palm Harbor local.
1: All right, so welcome back to another episode of Palm Harbor Local. On today's episode, we are sitting down with Brandon Dill from Fuse Lenses. Welcome.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, man. So, um, so why don't we start with just like what you guys do at Fuse Lenses, and then I want to dive into like we've talked about before, kind of your story and like how you got started with the company.
2: Okay. Uh, we make high-end sunglass lenses that we get directly to the end user, so the customer. Uh, The most popular way that that's done is through replacement lenses. A customer will buy lenses for their Oakley or Ray-Ban frame. Um, We custom cut lenses to fit those frames, send them directly to the customer, and then the customer will pop them in themselves. We also make prescription glasses. We make um, regular sunglasses complete. So any way that we can get lenses, our lenses to our customers.
1: Yep. And so... um so what's great about that is, and you, you replaced some lenses of mine. So I had some Maui gyms mm-hmm. and that were all scratched up, beat up and everything. And instead of having to go out and buy a new pair of sunglasses and spend, you know, 200 bucks, yep. like I can just come in and grab some new lenses and they look the exact same.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, Maui gyms are upwards of like 350 bucks now, 400 yeah. bucks. So yeah, you, you our replacement lenses start at about 25 bucks. The most expensive that we have are 75 and they're like top of the line, you know, I don't want to try and get sued by Maui Jim, but they're some of the best lenses (laughs) in the market. We'll say that.
1: Yeah. There you go. So how did, um, so take us back to the beginning of a fuse lenses. The company has been around for what, 10 years now?
2: Yeah. About 10 years.
1: And so how did you get started? How did this all start?
2: I was running a wholesale lab that made prescription glasses, uh, for a bunch of different doctors offices, like ophthalmology practices. The, um, we, so we were doing only prescription, Um, my, I, I did, I ran that lab. My boss was, uh, an accountant. He didn't have an optics background or anything. Um, I had this neighbor that was like needing a new pair of sunglasses. He, uh, he beat it, banged up his old spy optics, a brand of sunglasses. He, he banged them up pretty bad and was looking for, he's like, asked me if I can get him a pair of spy optics, sunglasses. I didn't happen to have an account with spy, so I wasn't able to get those. And he was like, um, man, I wish there was something I can do. It's just scratched up lenses. I was like, yeah. well, I can make lenses. That's what we do. The way we make prescription lenses is much more expensive than making non-prescription. So I was like, let me see if I can source something that's pre made with no prescription. And all I have to do is cut them down, cut them down for you. Sure enough, I found something that's called finished stock is what, what that term is in the optical industry. Um, cut him a pair of polarized gray lenses for his spy optics frames. And, uh, he was a firefighter, took him back to his fire station, was like pumped. And he got, he fixed his yeah. glasses, <laughs> told all his buddies at the fire station. Like the next day I had like four more orders. They're like, we have drawers full of sunglasses with scratched lenses. We just can't wear anymore, but like can't bring ourselves to throw these away because they cost so much. Yeah. So uh, next day I had a bunch of orders Thought this might be like a good eBay business, you know, like selling aftermarket parts type of thing. And okay. just kind of started there.
1: Yeah. And then, so. So you started, did you ever have a background in like in this business, or did you ever like think you would get into this business how did that how did you get into that
2: uh in optics in general yeah. um, my dad was the first lab manager at the first ever vision works oh, so okay. I kind of grew up in that field. It's not a super glamorous field, but it's really small like everyone kind of knows it, everyone so when I was sixteen, he got me a job he wasn't working at vision works anymore but pulled some strings, got me a job at vision works working in their lab, making prescription glasses. Okay. So literally vision works my first job. I mean, I, I, I washed dishes at a pizza place when I was 15 and then 16, I started working in making prescription glasses. Okay. And then, um, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't consider myself a business person at all. And I, I never really thought I'd be going into business for myself, but I, um, Worked at VisionWorks for like 10 years, worked my self up the ranks, became like a territory director for them. Okay. And then a headhunter called me. <clears throat> I was living in Orlando at the time. Headhunter called me and was like, hey, we're opening this lab in Clearwater. Uh, we want you to come run it. Uh, so I went to go work for that lab. As I mentioned before, my boss there was the owner and he was an accountant. So um, no optical background, but I got a good lesson in business from him. He trusted me to run his lab and his operations. And I got a lot of business knowledge from him. So okay. yeah, he's yeah. kind of a mentor in that respect.
1: And so you grew up in the area. So you moved away to Orlando for a little while and then came back.
2: Yep. Yep. I moved to Orlando for a few years. Um, you know, my mom lives in Orlando. I was born in Orlando. Okay. Moved to Pinellas County when I was 18 months old okay. uh, with my dad. And we, uh, you know, I just grew, I was raised in this area, moved away in my twenties, Orlando for three years. I could not wait to get back here, man. (laughs) I I love the beaches too much. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's still right. Orlando's Florida, but, um, it's totally different vibe and experience in Orlando. I I
2: feel bad for people whose only experience of Florida is Orlando. It's like so much better over here. Right. You know,
1: on any, any of the coasts in in Florida, right. Totally different. Exactly. Um, so tell me about like, like growing the business and how, like, like what was the thought process behind like, okay, I got some orders in, um, maybe this is a business year. Like, how did you transition to like, okay, yeah, I'm going to do this and, and commit to this full time.
2: Yeah. I, um, I was just trying to hustle. Uh, I just wanted to, I just wanted to make some money on the side. I had, I had a baby and just wanted to make some extra money. I never thought that this would be a business, like an actual business. You know, we were selling a couple pairs of lenses a week. Okay. Um, and So I just there was never like a a real business plan or anything. I just, you know, uh started cutting lenses in my and and actually using my boss's um facilities to cut the lenses and then packing them up and shaping them out at night. And uh it just kind of gradually grew and grew and grew. We were kind of forced into growth. Yeah. Um where did you start selling them?
1: Like if if it was it just word of mouth and locally or
2: it was eBay first and there was just nobody else doing it, you know. There was we're, we're like creating a niche, you know? So Crazy. it was niche enough that, you know, people would type in maybe like how to replace scratch sunglasses. And the only way to replace, to fix scratched sunglasses is to replace the lenses. Like you, yeah. rub, you can try and rub toothpaste on them, but that doesn't work. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it was just kind of like this gradual thing. I mean, when we first started, <sighs> when we were first started, we only sold photochromic lenses. They were, um, they turned from clear to gray. Oh yeah. Because I had an account with my old job that gave us free photochromic non-prescription lenses. Okay. So I'm like, well these are free. I'm I'm just going to sell these on eBay and yeah. see what happens. Makes and so money. like when we first yeah. started, we only sold those and it was like, <laughs> all right, we got enough sales now to buy our first 100 dollars worth of gray polarized lenses, you know. And so we sold gray polarized lenses and then it just we just kind of everything we put uh, back into that business. You know, I didn't, I didn't quit my job for a long time. I ran that business on the side for a a long time before I quit.
1: Yeah. How big, how big was like fuse lenses before you like jumped into it full time?
2: We were, um, we were doing a, a million in revenue. I had, uh, a year, I had six, seven employees. Um, (laughs) like still
1: working your full-time job. Yep. And then obviously this is another full-time job. Yep.
2: Yep. We opened up shop. So the lab I was running is right around the corner from my shop now because I wanted to be close. So like if a machine broke down, I could just like go fix it on my lunch break and then come back. And, um, you know, so, uh, it just got to a point where it was obvious that like the more time I didn't spend on fuse, the more opportunity we were losing. Yeah. And, uh, so I went to my boss one day uh, and was like, Hey, you know, that little side business I started, uh, cause he knew about it. Um, he's like, yeah, I'm like, we're doing a million a year in sales. And like, <laughs> I need to, I need to put some more effort into this and try and grow it, you know, yeah. I, you know, um, but I gave him a year's notice. I gave him six months full time and then, and then started weaning off for the last six months, like to, you know, eventually going to the day a week. And then it was just like, all right you know, good to go. So I tried very hard not to burn that bridge. And I took that last year and really doubled down on learning his financial strategies to run his company because he's an accountant he's been in business for a long time. So I learned as much as I could from him before jumping ship. Yeah.
1: That's super smart. And I, I think like that, um, like starting a side hustle is, is probably like a great way to start a business, right. Without like needing, you know, to make it, I think we talked about this before when we when we first met, right? The idea of like you have your your bills and everything taken care of so you can you can take risk or invest everything back into this, you know, other company, this other business that you're starting. Um and you probably grew a lot faster. Maybe maybe not because you weren't spending a lot of time in there, but um you might have had a lot more struggles and stuff if you jumped into it full-time and needed to make money from day one.
2: Yeah, I tell uh, a lot of people. I mean, I only know one way to do it. Um, I know there's a lot of people that go out and get like venture capital and start these right. big things right off the bat. They have like these great ideas they're selling out on. Um, I, I only know the kind of start from the ground up with nothing. Literally like when somebody says you can start a business with $0, I literally started this business with $0. Yeah, right. Um, when, uh, I just tell people that like, don't quit your day job if you don't have to, because yeah, if I was if I was feeding my family off the income this was producing, which wasn't much in the beginning, I would you know, we, maybe I would have never taken the risk to put the gray polarized lenses in there. And if we didn't do gray polarized, I mean photochromic lenses now are like one of our worst performing lenses, you know. Mm-hmm. There's still a need for it, but mm-hmm. it's not big. Yeah. I wouldn't put in a batch of inventory of the next lens. Like, you know, that $100 of gray polarized lenses would have been taking food out of my family's mouth and um, you know, let's face it, business is all about risk. You know, yeah, yeah, If you're not willing to take risks, then it's going to be hard to grow. Yeah,
1: slow, slow growth, painful growth, right? Yep, yep. So, um, I, I want to ask you a couple questions. Um, one of them that you mentioned before is on like staying focused, right? I feel yeah. like that's a hard thing. Uh, it's something I struggle with too, and and I think it's a hard thing now with so many distractions that we have a- around us with our phones like constantly on us. Um, so you know, when did you realize that that, you, that that was like a struggle? And then like, what are some things that you have done to help you like lock in and, and stay focused when it's important for you to stay focused? I would say
2: I probably realized far too late that I have a problem with focus. <laughs> um, I have, a, a, a friend that runs this or ran this, um, personality survey yeah. A uh, program called culture index. Check it out. If, uh, if you haven't. Um, and it's just, you know, you just click these boxes that describe who you think you are or whatever. And, uh, you know, it, gets, it spits you out a personality profile. Um, and he was describing this personality profile to me. And, uh, I have this profile called a trailblazer, which is a very visionary. Like I'm just always thinking about the future. Never. I never, ever, ever think about the past. I'm like, I just, I just, I'm just not that type of person. Right. Um, and he's describing this personality profile and he's like, yeah, you're not very attention to detail. You're not like detail oriented. You kind of like, you know, you take risks. Um, he's like, you probably lose focus all the time. Like the next shiny object that rolls by, you're going to like, you know, want to grab after that. And I'm like, man, that is so me. And it's like hurting my team, you know, cause yeah. we'll be midway through a project and, uh, you know, be like, Oh, you know what? Let's drop that. And let's go over here and do this. You know, like I'm just constantly changing gears, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> and I still do. Um, but what we started doing as a result of that was, I mean, I started reading up on it, um, about, you know, uh, about focus. And I read this book called radical focus. Okay. I can't think of the author off the top of my head, but, um, uh, it's, it's like a little short, like ASAP fable type of thing where, um, they you know, this, this business, uh, guy creates this, uh, objectives and key real, uh, key results, um, a system for his team, where like every quarter we come up with a quarterly objective. Our whole leadership team comes up with this quarterly objective, mm-hmm. and then we measure the, that objective with three, uh, three to five measurement uh, measurements somehow, like uh, yeah. which we call key results. So it's OKRs is what we call this. Okay, and if and then we have all of our tasks, um, and if those tasks aren't aligned with that objective we don't worry about it. Like we put that down into like another like task to come. And then maybe in the next quarter, our objective will change, you know? So like usually in the slow season for us, our, um our objectives will be a lot more about like building the foundations of our processes. So when we get busy again, we'll be more secure and ready to ready to grow again.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <clears throat> um, Where we're not going to worry about bringing in new product and stuff in the slow season. We worry about that more in the busy season. So like, um, that kind of has helped us get focus, and it helped yeah. me get an idea quarterly to a team and not have to not, and, and I really had to bite my tongue for the rest of the quarter to not try and change things. Yeah. You know?
1: Stick with it for that full quarter until yep. it's done. Right. Yeah. I like yeah. that. And that's like a book. So I read traction and they have a like similar concept where they have quarterly rocks yeah. in there and then like an issues list. And, and it's like, you know, the, the issues list is everything that needs to be solved in order to uh, meet your, your quarterly rocks or quarterly objectives that you're trying to accomplish. Hmm, I like that. I'll read that book. So, so like, now this
2: is my problem. I'll read that book and then I'll go and change our OKRs yeah. to be more like traction <laughs> or something like that. But yeah, if my team's listening, sorry guys, this is, this is coming.
1: The, and I think that's, that's the, the hard part of it about being a business owner is, you know, you see this, you hear about this new idea and then maybe it's almost better to like take a step back and like, okay, let's think about this before we, you know, before you, cause I'm the same way. Like I'll, I'll read something. And I'm like, that's really cool. Like that would be, that'd be great for my, for my business, but maybe take a step back or you put it on that, that list of like, we'll revisit that next quarter. Right. And yeah. then like, that's when you like, you know, uh, review it and see if it's a good fit for, for your overall goal for that year.
0: What's up, Palm Harbor? It's your host, Donnie Hathaway. If you are looking to stay up to date with all things Palm Harbor, then visit my website. It's palmharborlocal.com. Super simple. You can sign up there, join the locals, where I'll be sharing more information on local events, local history, and what's happening in Palm Harbor. You know, I really want to create and add more value to you as a listener for spending your valuable time tuning into my podcast. So join me there, keep listening, and remember, together, we keep Palm Harbor local.
2: It's it's kind of a balance though too because, yeah. you know, if you're if you're focused on staying the same, you're gonna you're yeah. gonna lose in the long run. Like, change is change is good in 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 business. I mean, you know, like COVID hit, and we're just so used to changing up everything like in our business that COVID hit and it was just like another change. You know, like mm-hmm. we grew. Um, granted, we're an online sales, so a lot, most a lot of online sales companies grew, but um, it wasn't like a a panic moment for us. It was like, okay, well, this is another change we're going through. right. Um,
1: Just a normal normal occurrence.
2: Yeah, I, we we never we never sit still. But you know, when you're setting those goals quarterly, and and also reading is knowledge to me. Like I I, I read and listen to podcasts constantly. If you're not implementing any of it, then
1: what's the yeah. point? Knowledge right. is
2: wasted if it's not being implemented on some level. So, um but yeah, you don't want to change. You don't want to iterate too soon. It's kind of like, it's a balance. Yeah. Um, and that's a struggle.
1: Yeah. And it always will be right. Yeah. So what about, um, so you just mentioned like reading and like personal development, personal growth, that sort of thing. Um, has that something that has that like always been important to you and something that you've always been, um, kind of drawn towards?
2: I am not a reader. Like I would, man, um, I'm 42 now. So I've been reading since I was 30. Um, and I, I never read a book that I wasn't forced to read, okay. like even as a kid. like, you know, I just, I was not a reader. Yeah. Um, and my old boss made me read this book called The E-Myth by okay. Michael Gerber. <clears throat> and um, and I thought that was a really interesting book, but it, man, it, take, it took me forever. To, it probably took yeah. me six months to read that book. Like just, you know, a couple of lines at a time. And the more I read, the more I started getting you know, value out of it. And the, the easier it became, I'm, I can't, I still can't read fast. I still only read a couple of paragraphs or a couple of pages at a time. I don't I don't understand how somebody can sit for like two, three hours and read, you know, but yeah. And I, and I, the big thing, two big things I learned from, from my last 12 years of reading is that I don't um, if I, if a, if a book is losing me, like I just can't get into it. If I'm, a hundred pages into a book and I just can't get into it, I put it down. I just change. I'm not going to hate reading just because I can't get into this book. Do you come back to it? Sometimes. Okay. Yeah. Um, but not usually. Yeah. And you know, a lot of books you read, especially on like business and marketing and self-improvement and all that, they, they're just beating the same point home over and over again. Yeah.
1: Just a different point of view.
2: Yeah. The other thing I, I don't do, which I think a lot of people struggle with is like if I'm reading a sentence and I'm like kind of going off in my own head, not paying attention to what I'm reading, you know, um, I don't go back and read the sentence anymore. I used to, Oh man, I have to reread that. I have to go back. Oh, I didn't quite understand it. I'm going to have to go back and read it again. I don't waste my time with that. I feel like I'm just soaking it in anyways. You kind of pick up, or I at least kind of pick up the message that's important for me at that time with whatever book I'm reading. So like, if I go back and read the same book two years from now, it'll be a different message I get from yeah. it, you know, it'll just be pertinent to that part of my life. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think that's a good point too, right? Because you, you have different experiences. You're at a different point in your life, right? So there's always, I always have like a handful of books that I like to go back to and just reread, um, for that, for that reason, because there's, you know, you're going to, it's going to hit different each time you read it. What's your top one? Um, and so traction right now is, is a good one that I, that I really like and, and have implemented some things. Um, I always go back to the go giver. Hmm. so that's a good one Um, i've never heard of that just kind of like you know they have they have five laws and it's just a good it's an easy read and just a good like foundational book
2: yeah to read cool Um, i love the easy read ones man yeah i'll order a book on amazon and they'll come in and be like man this is 400 pages (laughs) like i'm a 200 page guy you know yeah but i honestly i reading is probably one of the most important things. And for me now I, I, I bring all my books into, you probably saw the library at my office where yeah, yeah. like I have my team, like if you want to get inside my head, just read these books I've been reading. And so
1: are you, are you audible or you um, do you like re- reading the physical copy of the book?
2: I'm usually physical copy. Yeah. Like I like audibles for like, I actually have a couple of books that that are just in my phone um, for like when I'm running or something in the okay. morning, yeah. like um, like, Books that aren't necessarily helpful, like Animal Farm is one of my go-tos. I love that book. Okay. And then um, that Pablo Coelho uh, book. Uh, oh. uh, Pablo Coelho, is that um, – yeah,
1: yeah I, th- I think I know which one you're talking about. Um, the Alchemist. Yes. The Alchemist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, That's the, a good one.
2: The, uh, that audio book is like – um, the guy's voice, he was like reading It's just yeah. so soothing. So like, I'll be, it'll be like dark. I'm so I'm running in the morning and I'm just listening to that book. I love, I love it, man. But usually I'm listening to podcasts or something. And I like to read the books and I like to read the hard books so I can bring them into the
1: office and other people can like you know, yeah. share them. Yeah. You know? Cool. So what's your, what's one of your top books right now? Um, or just top books of all time.
2: Yeah. I'd say the book that changed my life was probably thinking grow or not thinking grow rich, uh, rich dad, poor dad. Oh yeah. Like that got me. And that's, the case for a lot of people. I found out that I think, was like, that was me. Yeah. It,
1: yeah. That was the first book I read that got me. And so same thing with you. Like I, I didn't read growing up or whatever is much. And then um, for whatever reason I was like, I need to, I need to change something. And I wanted a book on real estate or personal development, something like that. Mm. And so I settled on rich, Dad poor dad. And that, like, that was a book I'm like, Oh shit. You realize it's a mindset day. in that yeah. book. Like it's not a, not an
2: intelligence thing. It's no. not a, how you're brought up. It's a mindset. Like, yep. you know, um, success is a mindset. So uh, I really love that one. Um, good to great is an awesome business book. Oh, okay. um,
1: I've heard it. I've heard that mentioned a lot.
2: Yeah. That's a, that's a really good, like kind of customer experience book. And like, there's all kinds of like, if you're a CEO, like the hard thing about hard things is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, anything I read about, like Jeff Bezos, that like, kind of makes me depressed because I'm like, man, that guy had it figured out he, that he literally knew what he was doing in 98. He knew, yeah. knew what he was doing. It's like, he's so ahead of the curve to um, have that vision for all of that is crazy. Right? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, those are a couple of my favorites.
1: Yeah. And so E-Myth, that was like the first one you read?
2: Yeah. E-Myth is really good. It's kind of about processes. And okay. um, he talks a lot about like McDonald's, um, you know, simplifying processes like McDonald's is literally run by teenagers is like one of the biggest companies in the world and it's run by teenagers Yeah, because the processes are simple and very defined and laid out. And your cheeseburger in Japan tastes the same as it does in the States. And I've tested that out. I mean, they, (laughs) they're,
1: it's, it's It's the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. crazy. Um, so let's, so, so kind of going beyond and like the, the personal growth aspect and that's like growing a team. Um, how has that been for, you know for you who's you know never thought of themselves as a business owner growing up um but now you manage you know 30 plus um people for for your company how has that been
2: yeah that's um that's been the biggest struggle i think um for me cuz also in that personality profile besides the lack of focus is like you know what makes somebody a great entrepreneur is this like drive to do everything themselves you know mm. um so like you're wearing all these hats in the beginning and like you have this vision, you want it done a certain way. It's just easier to do it yourself. It's really hard to delegate, um, because everything is important and it really is in the beginning. So like the person who starts, founds the company doesn't usually go on to be CEO for, you know, the entirety of the, of the company It's very rare to see that happen. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, a lot of, a lot of that, a lot of that is the transition from like this entrepreneur spirit to like this team leadership spirit where like, you know, your growth is going to depend on other people. Um, There was no doubt that the pivotal moment for us as a company is when we hired our first employee Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's when we became a business. I consider that to be when we became a business and not just a a side hustle in my garage. Although that first employee was cutting lenses in my garage. (laughs) Um, that was when it was like, okay, there's there's like mouse to feed. This is important now. Like mm-hmm. this is there's a life on the line here. Um and you know, at, as we grew, I'd probably say to about maybe eight employees. Um, I could see every time we added an employee, we would grow. It was like, you know, we would just grow as like changing the size the of a fish. Would tank. Grow. Okay. Yeah, we would we would grow bigger because we added more people. That stopped at a certain point, by the way. Don't like just yeah. uh, keep necessarily hire people. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, but, uh, we, we, we would grow to a certain size and at, at about eight people, I was still in charge of everything. I mean, we were just, I was doing everything still. I was like kind of just saying like, you know, it was easy to communicate. You can effectively communicate with eight people. When we got yep. over that though, it became very obvious that like people weren't talking to each other. There was like starting to be like rifts in between, like there wasn't departments, but you know, rifts between people and jobs that needed to get done and, mm-hmm. It, uh, communication became like this very obvious thing that needed to happen. And I just was so overwhelmed, you know, so um, there just seemed like there was so far to go. You right, know? Right, right. So against my, the grain of my nature to be bringing people together to communicate, you know? Um, So again, I turned to books and podcasts and read and studied and messed up a whole bunch along the way. And yeah, um, got a, got a good team of people to buy in, you know, eventually. I mean, right now we're at 32 people. I've got eight people in my leadership group. They are all bought in. They're all self-developers. Um, they they feel like they're part of something bigger. They understand the vision and the mission, and they're communicating that to their team. So, like, where we're at in their process is developing them to be able to pass this on the same way I did to their team. So. Cool at worst case scenario, we just have a group of people that are too overqualified for the positions they're in and we can't support them. So they have to move on to somewhere else, you know? Yeah. Um, but that's the struggle, you know, the, the, uh, the development of people is always the hardest part, but it is the most fulfilling part. Mm-hmm. You know, for sure. lady running my marketing department came from Panera bread. She was making sandwiches and now she's a marketing director. Yeah. She could leave me now and go make twice what she's making
1: now. Yeah. Um, hopefully she doesn't want to, but she could. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so reading and, and just, you know, I, I want to touch on like what you just mentioned too about, about failing. Like you just tried a bunch of whole, you know, tried a bunch of things, you pulled things, tips and stuff from books and and other people around you, and then just tried to implement them, failed, Mm -hmm. learned what worked, you know, and, and what didn't and, and moved on. Um, yeah, I think that's like, that's an important piece of like being okay with, failing and, and, and trying, you know, new things?
2: Yeah. I think most of being a leader is just kind of like being able to communicate. I mean, everything comes down to communication always mm-hmm. and how you do that, hopefully productively and like positively, even if you're counseling someone through, um, through a termination, you know, like there's a right way to do it, you sure. know? Um, and, and then taking the blame, you yeah. know, like I, I don't know. I've got I've got amnesia. Like I said, I never think about the past, so I'm perfectly suited for that position. You know, yeah. like I mean, go ahead and blame me. I, I, I I'm i I'm willing to make the big calls because I just don't feel pain from the embarrassment of a failure. It's right. to me, it's part of the learning process.
1: You know? Yeah, is that's is that a trait like you always had that you felt you, like you had growing up, or something you kind of learned, um, just from growing the business? I think
2: I always had it. Yeah, I'm very competitive. Yeah. So like in the moment, a failure will. Yeah, hurt stings me. a little. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I, I almost look for it for it now. I look for the areas we fail, so we know where we can, so we know where we can improve. Yeah, you know? where you can grow from that. Yeah, yeah.
1: I like it. I like it. Um, so one thing I I want to kind of wrap up with, and and this will be fun too, because you grew up in the area. But uh, I always like to ask everyone, like, what's their favorites, like local spots, whether it's a business, whether it's a park, hmm. you know, whatever. Like, if you. If you had a day to yourself, like, what are you doing? Where are mm-hmm. you going?
2: Man, I do so much. <laughs> um, I'm like a, I'm like a hobbyist. I'm not good at anything. I just do a lot of stuff, but like, yeah. um, we take the boat out a bunch. Okay. We, we love taking the boat out just to the islands or stuff. I'm, I'm a spear fisherman. So like, I've got i oh, cool. I've got a buddy I go spear fishing with all the time. Like we go 50 miles offshore. Um, I don't know his, I don't know his dives, like his spots. He would kill me if I gave him away anyways, but, uh, <laughs> um, and then, yeah, uh, my wife and I got e-bikes, um, recently and okay. probably about a year ago, but we ride those things everywhere, man. We go all the way to Tarpon Springs. We go all the way to Clearwater beach Yeah, down where I live right by downtown Dunedin. So we spent a lot of time there. Okay. Um, and then Palm Harbor. Yeah. I know, uh, Ben from Dubai got mentioned on this, um, yes. by, by Mitch um
1: he's he's gonna be on the podcast soon we gotta get him on
2: yeah if you're watching this you can tell that mitch and i are friends too you know so (laughs) mitch is a tattoo artist yeah Yeah. um but yeah um i'll actually be seeing ben tomorrow so i'll mention sweet i'll mention that and then um yeah so we go to dubine just got the best beer around i'm not a craft beer guy but i like their beer
1: yeah so and the pinellas trail is so cool too because we've spent so much time just like biking up and down like you said dunedin to tarpon Um, there's just so much you can do like right off of the, right off the trail. It's cool.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. So awesome. Brandon, well, I appreciate your time today and appreciate you joining us. Thanks man. It was fun. Yep. Thanks a lot. Thank you again for listening to another episode of Palm Harbor Local. I really hope you got a ton of value out of of today's episode. Now, if you're looking to connect with the guest or just get more information on the episode, then you can check the description below. I'll have all the links in the episode as well as a link back to my website. It's palmharborlocal.com where you can stay up to date on what's going on with the podcast and sign up there to join the locals. Let's get after it this week. And remember together, we keep Palm Harbor Local.